In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our text for this evening is the Gospel reading, which I've already read. Today the church begins to observe the holy season of Lent. I'd like to begin by saying that we do not observe Lent because of a divine command from God. Nowhere in the Bible are Christians commanded to observe this season. However, Jesus does command us to fast, which is the primary character of what Lent actually is. Note well Jesus' words from the Gospel reading this evening. When you fast, Jesus doesn't say, if you fast, he says, when you fast. In taking up this season, the church is simply heeding the call of her Lord to fast. But what does that mean? Well, typically, we think of fasting as related to what we eat or drink, or rather, don't eat or drink. You fast before surgery or for, before blood work, meaning that you don't eat anything beforehand. But fasting can be taken more broadly as refraining from a particular activity. But now the question becomes, why does Jesus call us to fast? Well, there are a few biblical reasons that we'll investigate this evening. The first reason that a Christian may fast is because of our sins. This is a well-established practice of the faithful who have gone before us. God, through the prophet Joel in our reading for this evening, says, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts, not your garments. When God sent Jonah to preach God's judgment against Nineveh, the king of that place commanded that all his people fast and put on sackcloth. Fasting is a form of self-discipline for our sin. It ought not be done to try to change God's anger over our sin, but it is a work done by us to give us a small taste of what we deserve for our sins. Now, under this reason for fasting, we can include fasting as a form of physical discipline to remind us that all that we have comes from God. This coming Sunday, we'll hear about Jesus' 40-day fast in the wilderness. This 40-day fast, by the way, if you hadn't guessed that, is the background for why Lent is 40 days less the Sundays. In the account of Jesus fasting, he's not fasting because of his sin, since he doesn't have any. But the devil's first temptation reveals something about Jesus', Jesus motivations for his own fast. When Satan tells Jesus to turn stones into bread, Jesus says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Fasting is a reminder to our bodies of who is in charge. We are, not to subject, we are not subject to anything but God. Even our basic human needs are subjected to Him. Another reason Christians might fast is as an aid for prayer. St. Paul says, Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, 
that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, in this passage, St. Paul is saying husbands and wives should refrain from all activities that pertain to being a husband and a wife so that they can spend more time together in prayer. This is something good for us to consider as we think about our Lenten fast. Now, perhaps you are considering a fast that is more traditional, skipping a meal or something like that. Maybe, you, maybe you've elected to give up watching a television show or television altogether. And instead of being mopey about being hungry or missing your favorite show or, or game, devote yourself instead to prayer. You might even supplement this time of prayer with reading the Gospels as, as we will begin this coming Monday. Now, the third reason Christians might fast is to prepare themselves for the Lord's Supper. From the early days of the spread of Christianity, Christians fasted before coming to the Lord's Supper. Urbanus Regius, who was a co-reformer with Martin Luther, has a little book that is out called Preaching the Reformation, where he talks about how we should think about biblical topics from a Lutheran perspective. It's actually really a nice little book. But he writes this about fasting. I approve of the Lenten fast, although in the early church it was observed in Christian freedom so that by fasting people might prepare themselves for more ardent and attentive prayer and for giving thanks in the supper of the Lord, both for the most precious death of Christ by which we are redeemed from all evils in eternity and for his most victorious resurrection that is the source of our justification and resurrection. Now, one of the common objections I've often heard to the practice of more frequent reception of the Lord's Supper is that it wouldn't be special if we had it every week. But here, Regius cuts through that objection without really breaking much of a sweat. In order to make sure that the Lord's Supper doesn't become common in our hearts and minds, he suggests that we are to discipline our hearts and our minds by thinking about what the Lord's Supper is more and spending more time in giving thanks to God for what he actually gives to us. The last reason that we will consider this evening as to why Christians might fast comes to us from an early letter to the Christians in Philippi. We, there's a letter to the Philippians from St. Paul in the Bible. It's not that letter. But these, this letter uh, shows up pretty early in the Christian church's history, following right after the death of John, the last of the apostles. The writer of this letter, we don't know who it is, says this. Do not disregard Lent, for it contains the likeness of life with God. The writer of this letter was likely referencing Jesus fasting in the wilderness that I've already mentioned this evening. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. But it goes even beyond that. In fasting, we follow in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus, who humbled himself in order to bring us back to the Father. Jesus had no need to fast or to mourn over his own sins, as we've already said, 
In fact, if Jesus was hungry, he had every right to eat whatever he wanted, including turning stones into loaves of bread, since the cattle on a thousand hills belonged to him. But listen to how St. Paul describes the humility of our Lord Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Cross. By fasting as Christ fasted, we follow after him. We are conforming our lives to his. And this, dear saints, is the perfect illustration of the life of the baptized Christian. By our baptism into Christ, we are baptized into his death and resurrection. Our sinful nature was drowned in the font in order that a new man might daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Jesus urges us, take up your cross, deny yourselves, and follow me. Fasting is not a requirement to attain eternal life but it does prepare us for that eternal day. Lent, then, is a beautiful picture of life on this side of the resurrection. We suffer lack here, but God uses it to prepare us for a day when eternity dawns, and then there will be no lack. And so, as we enter this season of fasting and prayer, Let us pray that our dear Father in heaven, for the sake of his beloved Son and in the power of his Holy Spirit, might richly bless this Lenten tide for us so that we may come to Easter with glad hearts and keep the feast in sincerity and truth. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.